Cliff Ravenscraft here. Welcome to a new episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And this is going to be unlike any podcast episode I have ever produced. And I feel led and called by God to record this episode. Many of you know that my journey, my story of how I came to be in the situation that I am today, full-time self-employed online business, how that happened through a journey of podcasting and all of that good stuff. And many of you know as well that a part of my story is that I come from a Christian ministry background and that for over a decade of my life, I was very heavily involved in the institutional form of Christianity known as the local church in the position of associate pastor. And so that is a part of my background. Now, I have since found that the fullest expression of my ministry over the last 15 years has been through the content that I create, the products and services that I offer, my one-on-one interactions with individuals face-to-face through various virtual means through the coaching that I do, the mastermind groups that I facilitate, and all the other things that that I feel led and called to pursue to be more of who God created me to be. And for the past 15 years of my life, I've never once hidden the fact that I believe in God, I believe in Jesus Christ and follow him, Yet, at the very same time, for a very long time, for 15 years now, it's not been the type of ministry I feel called to do in this world to preach or teach biblical things. <laughs> but in this episode, I feel called to do so. And so, I before you tune out, if you haven't already, don't don't tune out just yet. Let me tell you, Let me tell you what I believe is the message behind this episode. I'm toying around and and I transcribed this note here. Stop trying so hard to grow your audience and build your platform and do this instead. That's the overall heart of what message I feel called to share with you today. So let me ask you this. Before you tune out and say, oh my gosh, Cliff's going to preach a sermon from a Bible passage, (laughs) which is what I'm going to do. I don't know if it would be considered preaching a sermon, but certainly I am going to bring up a very lengthy passage of Scripture, and I am going to share four bullet points that I feel called to share from what God has taught me through this story over the past several years of my life and what He's teaching me now and how it aligns with what so many of my entrepreneurial friends are facing in life. And I... We'll start this off with a conversation that I had on a brand new service that's uh, come out called Clubhouse. My friend Michael Stelzner introduced myself and the rest of the Green Room Mastermind to Clubhouse this week. If you haven't heard about it yet, you're likely to hear about it soon. How long it will be around and exciting, I'm not sure, but it's pretty exciting these days. And if you haven't 
heard about it, find some way to hear about what this Clubhouse app is for only iOS right now. But it's a it's a live streaming audio only chat room for real time conversations. It's pretty cool, and this isn't a podcast episode to talk to you about Clubhouse mainly for the purpose of the fact that I feel this is going to be an evergreen piece of content. And so therefore I'm not going to say anything else other than the fact that I was having a conversation in a, in one of these rooms that I created about coaching, I think is what it was, or actually, no, I joined a room. It was from my good friend, Dr. Fred and, and Fred had opened up a thing, a, a room all about how to finish your first book how to get your first book completed. And Fred invited me to the stage, is what it's called on on Clubhouse. And he invited me to share some wisdom and some advice and some coaching, if I would be willing, to anybody in the room that, that, you know, he says, Cliff's a really great person on mindset. So if you find yourself stuck, um, you know, ask Cliff a question, tell him where you're stuck and I, and, and watch what happens is kind of the, how it happened. And I'm like, Fred, I'll be honored to do that for you. And, and this is who I feel God's put me to, who caught, who God's called me to be on this planet. So yeah, I'll, I'll, whoever wants to ask me a question, where are you stuck? And so this beautiful woman on, uh, comes up to the stage in the platform and asks her question, you know, here's what I'm doing. And, and she goes, and I just feel like I'm stuck with this, this, and I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how to do that. And I said, Dr. Fred, it sounds to me like uh, she has lots of technical questions that I know you have the answer for. And this is your room. I have never written a book myself. And I know that you have the answers to all of the questions that she has as far as all the things that she says that she's stuck on. Now, if you'd like, because of that, it sounds to me like you're more qualified to answer those specific questions. And if you'd like, I'd, I can let you answer all of those technical questions. But overall, I believe there's something mindset related. And if you'd like, I could speak to the mindset side of it and, and why those things aren't really what's causing the problem in the first place. But this is your room, and now that you have brought her onto the stage and she has her questions, she probably didn't come into this room thinking, I have mindset issues that are keeping me stuck. So would you like to take this question, or would you like me to continue? And he says, Cliff, I I appreciate you letting, you know, that. And, and he goes, I, I really want you to take this one. And I said, great. And I said, is, and I said, is that okay to you with, with the woman that had uh, joined the room? She goes, yes, I, I'm ready. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Why do you want to write a book? Now, I ask this question of all of my coaching clients, whatever it is that they want, wherever they say they're stuck. If you tell me, Cliff, I'm stuck and I just have not been able to make any progress towards, you fill in the blank. I'm always going to ask you the question, why do you want that? And she didn't have an answer immediately. And I said, let me ask you this. What would you be able to accomplish or have in your life if you had this book completed that you cannot have in your life or accomplish if this book is not completed? What is it that you would have in your life Or what would you be able to accomplish if you had fill in the blank that you cannot have or would never be able to accomplish unless you fill in the blank? Same thing as the first. And this woman 
sat there for a moment, thought about it. And then she 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 had no, by the way, I, I, the important thing to understand is that she had no immediate answer to that question. She had to dig. Matter of fact, she goes, hmm, that's a good question. I have to think about that. Now, this is a woman who has expressed that I've been working on this book for the last year and a half. 18 months of her life, and this is the first time she's ever been confronted with the question, why do I want to do this? Sound familiar? Anyway, and and by the way, I just a lot of uh, reflection on not just this woman, but a lot of people who are pursuing books, online courses, passive income, growing my audience, building my mailing list, setting up my sales funnels, uh, losing a hundred pounds, all, whatever it is your fill in the blank is. Let me tell you, a lot of people are pursuing these things, and chances are maybe you've been caught up, and I know that I have, in pursuing things, goals, achievements, simply because that's what everybody else seems to be doing. And really, now I'm going to bring my own uh, reflection of what I've learned and seeing through the through so many different examples in my own life and the lives of those that I have been called to serve. What I see is that, man, there's so-and-so, this person that I look up to, and you know what? There's something about this person that I admire, and I want to be more like that. I don't want to be like me anymore. I want to be more like that person. And that oftentimes is a feeling. That, that person seems to have more peace. That person seems to have more financial security. That person seems to have success every time they launch something. People just flock to them magnetically. Like, it doesn't matter. It's just like everything they touch turns to gold. I want that. And so, I think that what I need to do is fill in the blank. Write a book. Start that online course. You get the picture, right? Okay, back to this lovely woman in Dr. Fred's channel. Uh, he he opened up this conversation. She said she thought for a moment she did not have an answer to the question. Why do you want this? What what would you be able to achieve, or what would you be able to have in your life that's missing right now that you won't be able to get without? writing that book. And she, I'm telling you, it it seemed like it took about 15 minutes for her to answer, but really it took probably about 10 or 15 seconds before she then came up with something. She goes, well, I believe that by writing this book, it's going to give me the platform that I need to be able to put my message out into the world so that I can grow my audience so that later down the line, when I launch new things, I will have a built-in audience that will be drawn to those new products and services. And I, I, I said, respectfully, I can tell you right now why you're stuck with your book. And it has nothing to do with the challenges or the obstacles that you brought up as technical questions about how do I get this, how, you know, this and that and that. Because the answer to all those questions are easily available to you with infinite number of answers to all of those technical questions with a single Google result. And if those were really the obstacle for you, you, you wouldn't have been stuck the last few days, weeks, months, or even year getting to the next step in publishing your book because those answers to those questions are always out there. 
The problem that you have is that you're telling me that the reason for you to write this book is something that you don't believe is a worthy uh, reason or why. It's not a worthy, compel. it's not a compelling reason for you to create this book. So therefore, it's easy. Anytime there's any resistance or any friction from you writing anymore or taking the next step in this book, you're like, this is not even worth this. I mean, I, I wrote the book part. You know, that was fun. That was exciting. But man, all this other stuff, this is baloney. I don't want to do any of this. And it's not, you're right. It's not worth your time because you're telling me that the only reason that you can come up with when faced with the question, why must this book exist, is I, I must have a book, I must have a published book by a publisher specifically to, ha- to build a platform to get my message out into the world and, and all the, to build an audience and so that when I launch things down the road, people would be interested in buying them. So, I, I, and she goes, yeah, but I'm convinced that that's true. And I said, well, is it? Let's, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, do you think it's possible for anyone to have a platform without publishing a book? Is it possible for anyone to get their message out into the world who's never published a book? Is it possible for somebody to attract a significant audience who resonates with their message without a book? Is it possible for you to have an audience that is so in love with you that when you launch something new, they instantly pay attention, but yet not have a book? And she goes, and, and she was hesitant for a moment because she was still very tied to the, the but, but when it all is said and done, she's like, yeah, I guess it's possible. And I said, well, let, let's, th-. and of course it was very clear, and, and there's a lot more to the conversation than this, but it was very clear that she wants to have impact and influence in the world. This isn't just about selling products. This isn't just about selling services. This is, she, she has a heart, a desire to serve people with a message. But it's very clear to me that writing a book isn't her number one greatest passion in this world. It's not her number one greatest calling in this world. Because if it was, the book would be published. With a publisher, without a publisher, doesn't matter. There, there would be nothing that could hold her back if she had a compelling reason why she felt that book must exist. So what I did, all I did was help her understand the fact that, wait a second, you believe that you have to have this book, but there's all sorts of evidence to the contrary that you don't need this book. Or maybe you're afraid of, what if I actually publish this book and I do succeed and then I fear that I'm going to be found out to be the fraud that I am. Now, we didn't go down that, lo- that, that line of thinking because obviously this wasn't my channel. It wasn't my room. It was Dr. Fred's. And I just wanted to, to just bring in one insight. But the one insight is that she just simply didn't have a compelling reason. And we got down to this, you know, and one of the ways that I helped her to understand this is like, I could tell that this is a very faith-based community with Dr. Fred, or at least I, I sensed that in the moment. And I said, let me ask you this. Did Jesus ever write a book? <laughs> did Jesus have a platform? And he did. Uh, did Jesus help spread a message? Yes. Did Jesus attract an audience? Yes. Hmm. Interesting. 
didn't have a book. So I so now the thing is is and and I and I emphasized this to her. I said, "Listen, I'm not telling you you should not write a book. I'm not telling you you're not called to write a book. Maybe you are. Perhaps you are. But the one thing I can tell you is until you have a compelling reason that absolutely makes sense that deep in your soul, you know this book has to exist. And if it doesn't, it's going to be it's going to cost you massive amounts of immediate pain to not have this published. Until you get that kind of reason behind what you're doing, you'll never write this book. But as soon as you figure out the answer, what would I have? What would I be able to achieve or what would I have in my life that I can't get without the publishing of this book? Until you, once you have that, that book will write itself, it'll publish itself. It will happen flawlessly and almost effortlessly. Any obstacle that comes your way will be easily overcome. And that's about as much as I was able to go into that conversation because I, again, it wasn't my room and I didn't want to take up too much time. And, and uh, Dr. Fred took it over from there and it was, it was a great experience. But the thing is, is, Oh boy, how many people are stuck doing what they're doing because they just they need to figure out what's the next growth hack. Matter of fact, they're uh, you know speaking about this platform Clubhouse. Find found myself in many conversations with people. How can I use this early access? The fact that I'm, you know, this is I'm in on the ground floor on something. It's been a long time since there's been a ground floor of something to get on. And right here is how you can game the system to get as many followers as possible. And and there's a lot of people who are inside of this platform called Clubhouse. And and I've been inside of there and noticed that seems like some people are investing somewhere between 8, 10, 12 hours a day inside of this online platform called Clubhouse. And let me tell you, there are some strategies and techniques that you can employ that will help you grow a massive following if you were to do these things. And I even felt myself like, oh my gosh, it's been since the early days of Twitter since I've actually felt a temptation to go chase after the tactics and the strategies of growing a quote-unquote social media following inside of this app, I was tempted to, to start employing some of those myself. And then I was reminded, no, Cliff, no, 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 stop it. Stop it. That's what, that's what I kept feeling inside. It's like, don't. Use this platform, play with it, have fun with it. But let me lead you and guide you is what Father has been speaking to me. And, and so I think that is enough background for the what is going into this episode. Stop trying so hard to grow your audience and build your platform and do this instead. Okay. So I recently finished a six-day virtual live event with Tony Robbins called Date with Destiny. And it was a pretty powerful experience. I think I talked about that in the previous episode to this one of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I think that may have been episode number 653. Let me just pull this up here, TCRS. Yeah, so episode 653, Date with Destiny. That That is something about operating code. That was a powerful experience. Now, I will tell you that... During those days, those days are incredibly long. Tony's a little bit insane with his schedule. And so I got 
very much out of my standard typical routine. And I was into a, a beautiful routine of waking up early and and having hours before the sun begins to shine, spending time with my father in heaven and just learning so many wonderful things and spending time in meditation and prayer. And, and then all of a sudden, for six days, I'm out of it completely. And I'm like, okay. And not to mention the fact that <laughs> I didn't even realize it, but for six days, I didn't even check my email and all of that stuff. And so I, I, I wake up this morning, and in the last couple days, I, I, I've, I thought there's been one morning since Date with Destiny that I woke up at about three o'clock in the morning and came down and had my time alone with God and, and stuff like that. But then I slept in like ridiculous number of hours yesterday, and I slept a ridiculous number of hours today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you, I feel led to, and I'm, I'm literally doing all of this right now through the prompting of the Spirit. And, and so I'm going to read to you what I wrote in here. So I, I came in down here at Monday, it's Monday, December 14th, 2020, and I began to write in my journal at 12 p.m., and I wrote this. I said, Father, I woke up much later than I anticipated. My sleep tracking app shows that I was fast asleep by 9.30 p.m. last night. I recall waking from, waking from several different vivid dreams overnight. I recall being awake for about five to 10 minutes shortly after midnight, yet when my alarm went off at 5 a.m., I felt called to yet sleep more. I didn't wake up until 10, 18 a.m. I am incredibly thankful for the amount of still slash restful sleep four hours and four minutes, and deep sleep, an additional three hours and 33 minutes that I had overall. I'm thankful that you are teaching me valuable lessons like it's not my routines or my streaks or my records that make me valuable or worthy. A quick glance at my email shows me that uh, Danielle has made an announcement that she in Basecamp that she's leaving the Next Level Mastermind AM group uh, this week. Also, I saw a text from Paula asking for some advice about some podcasting gear. And I also see that a, a recent text has come in from Neil O'Reilly. In spite of all of that, dot, dot, dot. Um, let's see. I uh, Let's see. In spite of all... Okay. So, in spite of the fact that... Here it is. I didn't get up uh, between 3 and 4 a.m., which normally is something I feel really good about doing. Uh, I slept in until 10 a.m. in spite of the fact that I did that. In spite of the fact that there is a message for, to the group from Danielle that I've not yet read how she explained to the group, you know, that she's leaving uh, the Next Level Mastermind and uh, and and stuff like that, and what any follow ups, and the fact that I wanted to get in there and and let people know that how we're going to handle the room. I haven't done any of that yet. In spite of that, in spite of the fact that there are ninety four emails waiting for a response from me in my email inbox, and in spite of, and I just put etc. 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 All the other stuff. In spite of all of that, I still have not been robbed of the peace, joy, love, and fulfillment that I have found within. And that I know and trust that the source is in or is you. I was tempted to have anxious thoughts this morning. I was tempted to kick into gear or actually kick into high gear is what I wrote. And quote unquote, make things happen. Yet, I felt your voice calling me to cling to your peace. I felt you call me to my own quiet 
and solitary place where I could have communion with you before going about any of my work slash ministry today. I now feel led to transcribe the following. And then I, I, I felt... I felt led to go and find this story that has spoken to me uh, on multiple occasions about just Jesus's example of of knowing what to say yes to and what to say no to. And the funny part is, is I, I never really paid attention to the story that's told right before it and the story that's right told right after it. Instead, I, I always focused on this one place where Jesus got up in the morning after healing a lot of people and and the disciples came and said, hey, where have you been? Everybody's looking for you and, and expecting him to come back and do more of what he's always done. And he says, listen, no, we go get your stuff. We're going to the next town and village. That's That's where we're supposed to go next. That's what I've been focused on. But today... I felt Father teaching or calling me, prompting me. He says, Cliff, I want you to go look at that, and I want you to go look at the story behind it, and I want you to look at the story be- and after it. And I'm like, and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, wait a second. The the New Testament, you know, these aren't like a narrative. It it's not like all in order. See, these what one one story could literally be days, weeks, or even months after the next story that's being talked about. And I'm going to take a drink and not edit this out. Hold on. Thank you. So, but anyway, what I realized, I had to go and look, where is this story that I keep looking up all the time? And I found it in Mark chapter one. And the story that I always feel called to look at is uh, Mark chapter one, verses 29 through, let's see here, through, uh, through 39. Is that right? Yep. 29 through 39, Mark 20, okay, Mark 1, 29 through 39. The interesting thing, though, is is I did as I felt prompted in my spirit to do this morning. I, I went and looked at the story before, and it turns out that the story before and the story after, well, the story after could could be argued that maybe it's it, it was a different time period, but it's like, listen, it's that day and immediately after this. And so this is all in conjunction with one another. So I'm going to start, I'm going to read uh, by the way, every verse that I'm about ready to read to you is coming from the NIV, the New International Version, except for verse 41, because in verse 41, it says Jesus was indignant, except for the fact there's a footnote that says there are some translations uh, or, or some sources that say that Jesus had compassion. And there's a little bit of a difference between indignant and compassion. And so I'm going to read from uh, verse 41 is going to be from the Passion Translation. Everything else, though, is NIV. All right. Here is uh, Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 21. They went to Capernaum. Now, who's they? It's Jesus's new disciples. If you look up earlier in Mark chapter one, it, it talks about Jesus calling his disciples, and, and they, so they're starting to follow him. So, so they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he had taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law, 
uh, and not as teachers of the law. So basically, the teachers of the law, they're, they're kind of like, well, this is what we're going to teach. But Jesus taught us as someone who had authority, who had conviction about, someone who felt this stuff is alive and it's living and it's meaningful, not just then and not in the future, but right now there's some urgency about this. That's the kind of energy that Jesus had. And so I, I think there's something to be said about this. And, and how this can relate to you and I and putting our message out into the world. Are you speaking with conviction? Are you speaking with authority? Are you speaking as one who is confident in what you are saying? Or are you always fearful that I might be wrong? Are you always fearful that others might disagree with you? Are you always fearful that that you might be found out to be a fraud because you feel insignificant. You feel unworthy to be able to have people's attention. Do you feel unworthy or do you speak with authority? And and what I, what I feel called to say here, and this is coming to me as I'm reading through this, is I, I think you and I, when we get behind a microphone, when we are invited up on a stage, whether it's a virtual audio-only stage like a platform like Clubhouse or a physical stage like your own conference or somebody else's conference that you've been invited to speak at, or whether it's in a one-on-one Zoom call, when it's a one-on-one face-to-face conversation, the question I have to ask you, do you speak with authority? One who speaks with authority speaks in such a way that magnetically draws people's attention. People are are amazed. People are amazed by those who speak with life. Keep that in mind. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, here in this this evil spirit is trying to speak out to the crowd. Look, everybody, here's Jesus. Here's the Holy One. Here is the one. And, And Jesus like, listen, be quiet. And he said it sternly, by the way. It says, be quiet, uh, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And it's got an exclamation mark. It's like, listen, shut the heck up. You know, right now's not the time for me to grow my massive audience, for me to tell the world how awesome I am. Not Right now's not the time. When the time comes, Father will make it happen. But there's still much work to be done before the masses start flooding in everywhere. There's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot that needs to be prepared for. So Jesus is very adamant that he is trying to keep from his platform getting out of control, from his audience massively building. This is the first hint of that. Um, The impure spirit then shook that man violently and it came out of him with a shriek. Then in verse 27, the people were all so amazed. They asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He he even gives orders to impure spirits and with a single word, they obey him. Now, the question I have for you, the message that's in your heart, does it have power to transform people's lives? 
And the reason why I ask this is because there's been a number of times it's like, why is it that this, that I can't grow my audience as fast as I think it ought to be growing or something like that? How many times have I timidly come to the microphone, come to the stage, come to a conversation, and timidly taught something that I I think might be true, I think this, but I'm not applying it to my own life. I don't I haven't seen this for myself, I haven't experienced this for myself, but I'm timidly trying to do. There's a difference when, when you have the experience to back up. There, it, like, listen, when this guy said, listen, there's something about this message and it resonates with me because I not only hear it in his words, I see it in action. I see the results of his words transform lives. I've seen him tr- use these words and, and, and some of this has happened in my own life. It's like, listen, I've seen Cliff leave his insurance career and go through the most challenging financial situation and yet end up victorious. I've seen Cliff almost die in the hospital and yet see that instead of, uh, you know, giving up after a year and a half, two years of up and down fitness and just saying, you know, what the heck? I just, you know, I'm going to die eventually. Just why don't I just enjoy what I eat all day, every day? But instead, they've seen the transformation in my life of, of, of physical fitness, making a commitment to working out consistently and all this stuff. It's like, listen, there's authority in Cliff Ravenscraft's message because he, he says these things, but he lives them and he shares them. And I've seen other people who have interacted. And there's something about that authority that when Cliff speaks this message, not only does he have the conviction and the power and the authority of what he's saying, he believes it, he knows it in his innermost soul because he live he's living it and also there's results seen in those who are impacted and influenced by that now when that happens you can't help but have the next thing happen in verse 28 it says news about him spread quickly all over the whole region of galilee see i once talked about a long time ago listen be someone or do something worth talking about. It, it, if you want to grow your audience, if you, if, you, if you feel like that's a part of your journey and you want to have impact and influence in your life, do something or be someone worth talking about. And that is one thing that I have noticed, and, and I give credit to God in, in all the things that he's given me the ability to take control of in my own life, in my own mindset, in my own physical uh, control of, of myself. I'm so thankful of the lessons that he taught me to where he's called me to be someone worth talking about. And he's called me to do things and has given me the, the guidance and and the know-how, the willpower, and the power to live out those transformations. And, and so, therefore, not only has God made me someone where I can be someone talking about, worth talking about, but also I've done a number of things through his leading, through his guiding, that is worthy of other people talking about. And that's how, as 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 big as my audience or my impact or my influence in the world has ever been, it's because people are spreading the word quickly. There was a time when Michael Hyatt, for example, in his first 100 episodes, I think that my name was brought up in in his podcast like 30, 40 
different episodes. Um, I, I remember showing people when I was telling them about being someone or doing something worth talking about. I was I would go to Michael Hyatt's blog and I would actually do a search for Cliff Ravenscraft and show them how many results of the number of times just Michael Hyatt alone has blogged about me. And and trust me, I can say all of this now because I, I don't say any of that to brag. I, I all of that, by the way, has happened in spite of some of my very dangerous personality flaws of my my previous search for significance in this world. I used to get so much significance and I used to feel so good about myself and I used to feel so worthy of your attention because of how much Michael Hyatt has talked about me. And I don't feel that anymore. Matter of fact, if, if those things never happen, if Michael went and deleted all of those posts and he removed all of those episodes off of the internet, it wouldn't bother me in, in the least. And so, so I don't say any of that to amaze you, but what I say is that is that, man, when I think about the number of times where God has massively, exponentially increased my following or my influence or the exposure of my message, it's all been in spite of my own desire to make it happen. It's Matter of fact, I can tell you right now, Anytime I've ever consciously set out to say, I want to grow my next thousand followers, I want to grow my next 10,000 followers, I want to grow my next this, my next that, my next this. And when I have allowed that to become a focus of what I do next, it's always failed. It's always failed. I have failed to grow my audience, to grow my impact, and grow my influence every single time I've set out to do that intentionally. That's a little thing that I want to share there. But any times when I have simply followed what I feel that Father, my God, has led me to, to called me to, because I can't not do it, that, that I, can't, I can't seem to have the will to get out of bed unless I do fill in the blank, that's the kind of passion, that's the kind of compelling reason why that I do many of the things that I do. And when I do things and focus on those things, and not for my own benefit of seeing my audience grow, for my own significance and my own financial certainty of the future. When I'm not focused on my own financial certainty and when I'm not focused on my own significance in the eyes of others, I've always seen increase. And, and, and just to give you an idea, creating this podcast episode, here I am. I'm literally preaching a sermon in a podcast episode. From the Bible. Now, I can tell you right now, this is not what one does (laughs) when one is interested in massively growing their audience. It's not. But this is, you know what? This is what I felt called to do today. This is what I felt compelled to do. It's three, no, it's 2.32 p.m. I haven't touched my email. I haven't touched I haven't looked at social media. I haven't done anything. All I did, and I didn't get up at three o'clock in this morning like I normally would love to. That's a part of what I'd love as my routine. No, I woke up at 10, 18 a.m. this morning. Do you think I felt guilty or ashamed of that when I had such a streak? No, it doesn't matter to me. 
But you know what? I came down and I did what I felt called to do, which is like, God, I, I want to spend time with you first. That's what I, I'm tempted to feel anxiousness about the fact that I slept in so late today on a Monday. <laughs> I'm so tempted to, to feel uh, anxious about the fact that, you know, Stephanie would have definitely woke up and worked out with me at seven o'clock this morning, but I slept, I was still in bed. And there's so much to do. So much has occurred. Look at my email inbox. Look at look at this messaging that, you know, do I need to control the narrative of, how, you know, of, of what's going on with one of my members who's been in the master, Next Level Mastermind since June of 2018 and, and is leaving and she's announced it publicly uh, to the group and, and, and this Wednesday is going to be her last thing. And don't I need to get in there and do this? That's what I feel called to do right now. I want to, I want to control. And he's like, listen, do you trust me? I, I got everything under control. I have I have controlled everything that's come across your path since you were born. And you wouldn't be where you are without me and the guidance and the just trust me. And that and and so that's what I came down to here for. So when when I seek that first, I, I just trust. And and Contemporary wisdom says, Cliff, doing a sermon from the Bible in your podcast episode, that's just not what people want from you. So let's continue on. So by the way, um, that that is the first part of Mark chapter one. Did you hear that static electricity? I just heard it as I was rolling my chair. Again, I'm not going to edit this podcast, but I'm going to take another drink. So we've just covered Mark chapter one, verses 21 through 28, and then we get into uh, chapter, sorry, verse 29, and then get this, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Can I just tell you, what's up with all of these apostles changing their names all the time. I mean, isn't isn't Simon the one who's eventually going to be called Peter? And 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 it says here James, but if you look in some of the other uh, the, the other uh, versions of the Bible, it'll say Jacob and John. <sighs> anyway, that's that's a whole other story for another time, which I probably may never get into. Doesn't matter to me. But here's what happens. So in verse twenty nine, I don't know why I never saw this before this morning. But it just says this, as soon as they left the synagogue. Which synagogue is that, Cliff? Well, Cliff, I think that might be the synagogue where Jesus was sitting there uh, and teaching with such authority that people were amazed. And this man came out and says, ah, we know who you are. What do you want to, you want to bring us to the end, blah, blah, blah. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, listen, shut your mouth and come out now. All right. And, and then all of a sudden, news about him after that began to spread quickly all over the region of Galilee. But now, so immediately after that encounter, words already sp- spreading. So just imagine this. We're, we're getting ready to go into verse 29, and, and, and Jesus is going to be hanging out at the home of James and John. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, Jesus went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. All right, so he's hanging out at Simon and Andrew's house. And while this entire evening event is happening, and also the next morning event, which we're going to get into, while all of this is happening, there's literally tons of people all around the town 
talking about what happened in the synagogue earlier that day. Okay, so, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and the, let's see here, and they immediately, let me just fix my little typo here, because I transcribed this into my journal this morning, Uh, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her instantly, and she began to wait on them. So here, Jesus has come into the home. First thing they do is they're like, listen, you know, Simon's mom's not feeling, or mother-in-law's not feeling too well, and Jesus immediately has compassion, helps her up, and she is absolutely feeling amazing. And and she's feeling so great. She's like, listen, let me just start taking care of you guys. And she began to she began to wait on them, to serve them. By the way, this is no commentary on the role of women or anything like that. It's just, listen, the, she, the whole point here is she felt so good that she immediately went to do what it is that she would have done had she never felt ill. All right, there was no lingering, let me still take a couple days of rest, you know, and blah, 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 take two aspirin, call me in the morning, wasn't what Jesus did. He, she was healed, as if she had never been ill. Then, uh, verse 32, that evening, so basically, I'm thinking, man, wouldn't it be awesome to just think about and dream about what would it be like to spend all day long at Simon and Andrew's home, hanging out and just, what did they talk about? That would be fun. I I, I would love that. And matter of fact, one day, uh, I I pray that I have the opportunity uh, in 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 some way, shape, or form to to go back and look at the archives and just witness that. I I, I think there might be a way for that to happen in in the eternal timeline of all things uh, that's outside of time. But that's a whole nother crazy metaphysical thing that we'll talk about maybe sometime in the future. Maybe not. It depends on what Father tells me to do in the future. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. The whole town. So imagine this. All of a sudden, it's like, listen, after sunset, it's like, okay, Jesus, um, there's a line around uh, at the door. In fact, they're gathered around the whole house. I mean, this is like the whole town is here. And so in 34, we see that Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. And get this, but he would not let them speak because they know they knew who he was. It's very important. Jesus is still doing things to keep these demons from saying anything and revealing more about the power and the importance of who Jesus is and what his mission in the world is. Listen, there's still much that needs to be done. And and and, and Jesus knew because he had a practice of of off of spending quiet, solitary time with the Father. He knew that now was not the time. And he did everything in accordance with what he felt the father, his father in heaven was telling him. He's like, listen, it's not time. You know, you're going to have opportunities to heal people who are sick, but you're also going to, demons are going to be cast out. And I can imagine that in previous alone times of solitary prayer and meditation, he, he sat there and father says, listen, 
you're going to cast out demons, you must not let them speak. You must not let them reveal who you are. And so, it's with that understanding that I go into this scripture, and I, I see that Jesus would not let them speak because they knew who he was. Then, my favorite part of this story is this. In verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, I like the Passion Translation, says, hours before the sun began to rise. <laughs> Jesus got up out of bed, that doesn't say out of bed, but I would imagine he was in bed. Got up, out of bed, left the house, or maybe he was on the couch. Do you think maybe he was on Simon Peter? Do you think he was on Simon's couch? I don't know. Was he was he laying on a on a little um uh was he laying on a bean bag? Was he laying on a sleeping bag? I don't know. It's fun to think about that. But anyway, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, hours before the rising of the sun. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And prayed, this isn't some rehearsed prayer. This is, this is communion with Father. I, I, I imagine this, some of it may have been verbally he's saying things. I don't know. Uh, some of it, I imagine that he's just sitting there silently and, and in his heart, uh, his and in his soul and in his spirit is communion with Father, much in what might be seen in in what's known as Eastern philosophies version, like Hinduism, Buddhism, more like meditation, where one is silent before the presence of God. Anyway, that that's a little bit of a stretch. And if I were really concerned about what people thought about me and and growing my audience, I probably wouldn't have said that. <laughs> but it is what it is, so I love it. Anyway, so very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And this, I I just feel prompted right now to say that this, if there's anything that Jesus gave us as an example, this is the one, I believe, the most important things that Jesus has compelled me to do lately. He, he's been saying, listen, Cliff, follow me. Follow my example. And and yes, I have been, I, I, I haven't heard him say, Cliff, uh, I want you to wake up early in the morning while it's still dark, uh, hours before the sun rises, except that in the last several weeks, actually several months now, in the past three months, I have been experiencing this thing where I wake my, and this isn't to impress you. I'm just telling you, I just want to give you an example of what's going on. I, I promise you, if I was trying to impress anyone, I wouldn't be publicly recording this episode and publishing it. So, um, but what one of the things that's been going on is I set my alarm for 5 a.m. because I, I, I like to have a good early morning routine, but I have I typically go to bed somewhere between 8:30 and 10:30 is when I I'm in bed and or going to sleep so somewhere between there and I find myself waking up usually between 3 like it's like 3:27 or it's 4:27 is it, it there are 3:20 or yeah I think it's 3:27 or 4:27 has been most times and it's like literally I instantly wake from a vivid dream that I instantly recall and remember as if it were real and then all of a sudden I look at my watch and it's either 3:27 or 4:27 I would say that happens about 80% of the time other times, it's just random times between 
three o'clock in the morning and let's just say 4.30. But I always wake up and I'm instantly aware, instantly awake, instantly wide awake, and I jump straight out of bed. I And, and as if... And there have been a number of times where in in my, in, I don't hear his voice audibly, but I hear Father speak to me many times, as clear as any words that any humans ever spoke to me. Sometimes he says, listen, this is what I want you to go do. And he'll tell me, I want you to go journal. I want you to go read this passage. I want you to look this up. I want you to read from this book that I've brought into your life. Um, I want you to study this material that you recently ordered. And and he leads me. He guides me. And many times when he's when I'm journaling and I write a prayer, um, this uh, again, I'm not here to impress anyone, so I might as well just tell you, but recently I'll be in the middle of, of journaling a prayer and Father asks for the pen. And, and he begins to dictate Inside of my spirit, I I feel what he tells me to write down on a piece of paper. Sometimes those things are for me, and he's like, Cliff, this is what I'm saying to you. Here's what you need to know. This is what you need to hear. This is what I want you to do. This is what I'm doing. And occasionally, and it's only happened two or three times, he'll actually dictate a message from him through me to one of my clients. I it's the it it's the most awe-inspiring thing I've ever experienced in my relationship with God. Um and that's happened a number of times. So that anyway, that this is and I experienced this a lot at that, you know, be, somewhere between three o'clock in the morning and like seven o'clock in the morning or six thirty in the morning. It's like there's something that's going on in that time. And so this this is something naturally since I've I've had this spiritual, what I'm calling reawakening, this has been my experience. Now, my Tony Robbins date with destiny threw me way off schedule, uh, and I have had one 3 a.m. time with God since date with destiny, which has been, you know, it's been almost, it's been four or five days now, and the other days, I've, gosh, I can't imagine what's been going on, but, you know, 13, 14 hour sleep sessions, (laughs) And I'm not lazy. Uh, it, it's not that. But in, in this morning, at five, five, my watch on my alarm went off at five o'clock, and I, I, I was in a very vivid dream. And I woke up, looked at. It's like, oh, it's five a.m. And I literally sensed Father say to me, "Go back to sleep. I have more." I have more to do inside you. That that, that that it's kind of like that. I didn't hear those words, but go back to sleep. Uh, there's more rest to be had. Something like that. But it, it was go back to sleep, and I did. And I woke up at ten eighteen this morning. Uh, anyway, so verse thirty five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And what I imagine and what I feel God prompting me, and this is what I'm sensing he's telling me. It's like, listen, Cliff, I want you to know that when Jesus went off to a solitary place to pray, it's much like the times that you and I have had in these early morning hours before the rest of the world is awake, or at least this your part of the world is awake, away from the noise and the distraction of all the conscious thought energy of all the people around you, 
you're able to hear me and I'm able to get through to you and and you're not so worried about what other people are expecting from email responses and all the other work. You're not th- worried about being productive at these hours, which by the way, maybe you not need, need to stop worrying about being so productive all the other hours. Maybe if you could just learn and maybe that's why I told you to go to bed at 10, 18, until 8, 10, 18 so that you could wake up and see that it's okay for you to actually have this time alone with me and that you'll still hear me speak to you even at 10:18 in the morning. There's nothing magical or super special about early in the morning before the sun rises except for the fact that there are some natural laws that are that govern how the world works and 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 there are some scientific reasons behind uh, the value of early in the morning, hours before the sun rises, and and while it's still dark, and I did it often. You read about it several different places in the New Scripture, and I want you to understand that I'm going to continue to call you to to have that practice. That, by the way, all of that's coming to me as I'm recording. So, um, <laughs> I'm sorry if I've been leaving you out. That's be, you know, I've been that. This is what I consider to be communion with the Father. This is what I consider to be in communion with Jesus. This is this is how we talk. And it just happened to happen out loud for you guys to hear. And maybe that's the reason this, the whole purpose of this episode is, is for you to hear that. Certainly not to get you, to, for me to grow my audience. Ah, this is so much fun. All right. So what happened? So Jesus, you know, let's let's recount here. Let's talk about this. And this is, this is something Father's been giving me insight into, and, and I want you to know that I believe, I believe with authority, with passion and conviction that what I'm about ready to tell you is true. I would say that so much so that I feel like it's 98% certain that this is from Father that he's telling me this. And only 2% of it do I feel like it, it might possibly be me. But I'm just saying this. This could all be made up by me, but with 98% certainty and with 98% authority, this is what Father is teaching me about what's going on behind the scenes. Jesus, actually, let me take another drink and then and then I will share with you. Again, not editing this out. Ah, man, I love that stuff. All right. I'm drinking water with my electrolyte powders in it. Anyway, this is what's happened. Jesus and his disciples, he's in the synagogue preaching and teaching, sharing his message. People are amazed at the authority from in which he speaks, that the passion and the zeal. And there's something about when he speaks, my heart, there's something tingling inside of me. This is what's going on. And so if that alone what were happening, and there wasn't this whole demon thing happening, Chances are, word probably was going to start spreading anyway. But then demons are like, listen, let's get this Jesus guy out into the open. Let's expose him for who he is, and let's get him hung on a cross as quickly as possible. Because listen, or let's let's just let's thwart the plan is what's going on. And so there's this demon possessed uh, man, and and he's making a fuss. And Jesus, like, dude, shut up, (laughs) be quiet. He said it sternly, and and he would not let that that demon speak. And then, as a result of that, boom! You know, even as he 
was walking to the home of Simon and Andrew with James and John, or maybe Jacob and John, whatever name Jacob was going by that day. Anyway, but uh, while Jesus was walking on the way to Simon and Andrew's house, words being spread. It's the, the people are talking. Jesus has already been someone worth talking about, and he has already done things worth talking about. And, and, and that's what's happening. Word is spreading. Now, of course, he has an afternoon uh, lounging with Simon and Andrew and some of the other disciples that are there gathered. Uh, there's already been the, the miraculous healing of uh, Simon's mother-in-law and stuff like that. And that evening after sunset, boom, there is a healing session happening. Imagine the whole town bringing anyone who was sick and demon-possessed. Uh, the whole town. Now, this is after sunset, and I imagine this is, this is again, what I'm sensing. I'm imagining this is going late into the evening. We're talking, it, it might be midnight, one o'clock in the morning before finally everyone who had been brought had been healed, had been, you know, or, or assuming everyone had been healed. It doesn't say this. It, it, it says all the sick and demon-possessed were healed, or um, were, uh, were brought, but it says, and Jesus healed many, who had various many uh, various diseases and also done uh, uh, drove out many demons. Does not say he healed out healed all, and doesn't say he healed uh, and he drove out all. So, but that's not from the purpose of this story. So we're that's not the focus of this. Anyway, the focus is though is imagine what would happen if the, if you and and y- y- either you have just been healed of a sickness that you've had for weeks, months, years that you were born with. And imagine uh, there was you, you were in line with tons of other people and you were in this town where Simon and Andrew lived. Do you not think that it's possible that after you left and and you started going I mean, do you think you just went back to your home and just went to bed? So what what I feel that that I have been inspired to think about is they imagine I imagine that what happened is all of these people who were sick and healed the demon possessed and the family members of the demon possessed they've they've like not just they already the whole town of 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 Simon and Andrew had already brought them but now all of a sudden those people left the house and they didn't go home and go to bed they traveled to their cousins in the town next to them, or two towns away, or three towns away. And overnight, over the next four, or five, or six hours, all of a sudden, they're, they're bringing, they're dragging their, uh, their cousins, their aunts, their uncles, their nieces, their nephews, they're dragging them out of bed, out of their homes in the middle of the night, and bringing them to the front stoop of the home of Simon and Andrew. Now, do you think that the, that if this is true, by the way, do you think it's too much of a stretch of the imagination that if any of this stuff is true, if any of this story is true, do you think it's too much of a stretch of an imagination to think that that might also be true? So, and, and by the way, I don't know it to be true for sure because it's not written here, but this is what my imagination leads me to. This is what I sense is happening here, and, and there's some indication to it in the next verses when, when, when I get there, when in verse 36. But still, I, w- I just want to imagine for just a moment 
nieces, nephews, aunts, and uncles, and other relatives, grandmothers. Uh, I they're all you know, oh, literally brought from two villages away to the home of Simon and Andrew, waiting for the sun to rise over the hills. And when that happens, Simon and and, and Andrew are going to open up the front door of their home, and just like the night before. Jesus, the expectation of the people, the expectation of the people is that Jesus will sit there at that home and heal everyone that they had brought overnight. The expectation of the people would be that. Not only that, but what about Jesus's followers? What about Jesus's disciples? What about the people who are closest to Jesus? What about their expectations? I think their expectations also is that Jesus would wake up and go down and and continue to do the ministry that he is supposed to do in this world, which is clearly more of what he did the night before at that location. So though the people at the door had their expectations of what Jesus should do that morning, and all of and, and and the disciples had their expectations of what Jesus should be doing that morning and and this reminds me of the number of times when hey cliff you know you you've you've done insurance i've invested in and in teaching you this uh this thing and and this is the work that i've called you to do who are you to think about going out and doing podcasting as a career instead of this lucrative career you talk about job security job certainty financial certainty for you and your wife and your three kids who are you to think about giving up this absolutely most financially secure job that anybody could ever dream of and to go out and risk all of that to go start your own business doing something where you've never even had a business before who do you think you are and people are people are predicting that podcasting is dead what are you doing but yet i i felt called to do that then there was oh cliff you spent a decade and you've got you've trained over 40,000 people how to podcast you've gotten your name out there you are the go-to authority in the world most people who have a podcast today either learn from you or learn from somebody who learned from you or learn from somebody who learned from somebody who learned from you. That's the reality of where you are today. And, you're, and you want to what? You want to shut down 100%. That's ridiculous. The expectation is that you're going to be there. The expectation is like, Cliff, I've been waiting for three years to save up my $2,000 to have you as my coach. And you're up and going to leave me? You know, uh, it's it, and I've heard things like this, and and what what are you, the expectation of the people was that Jesus would wake up and do the same and finish the work that was sitting at the door, the 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 email inbox, <laughs> the email inbox at Simon and Peter's. Jesus had an email inbox. Matter of fact, I want you to imagine this. This is just coming to me. Jesus wakes up and he takes a quick glance. He hears some rustling outside. All right, and it's like ping, <laughs> and and there's a new there's a new email that's sitting right outside the inbox of the door. It's like from Josephus's um, uh, great uncle. <laughs> Hi, Jesus. 
I stand at your door outside of the door of Simon Peter's. I heard what you did for my nephew, Josephus, and he's come to wake me up in the middle of the night and says that you can heal me of my back, chronic back pain that I've had. And, and this is why this is important. Please, uh, please keep me, please heal me like you did them. And then, then all of a sudden, right behind Josephus and his uncle is the next person. And, and, and the inbox is piling up, piling up, piling up. So, and then very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus gets up and left the hall, left the house and went off to a solitary place to play. Now, again, I'm, I could be making all this stuff up, but I imagine Jesus had to sneak out the back door, maybe even had to sneak out a window. I don't know. But, but my, my hallucination is that Jesus did not walk out the front door of Simon and Andrew's home. Because I feel like there might have been some people camping out there. All right. So, here we go. Verse 36. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed. Now, I wanted to just make sure that I understood the heart behind the word exclaimed when the New International Version translators decide to use the word exclaimed, because they didn't say said. When they found him, they said, no, they exclaimed. And so, the meaning of the word exclaim is to cry out suddenly, and it also says, especially in surprise, anger, or pain. Now, I don't think that they cried out in surprise. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you snuck up on me like that. I don't think that that was the exclaiming. And I, it's like, ah, I don't think it was an exclamation of pain. Oh man, that hurt. No, I believe that they cried out suddenly in anger. When they found him, they cried out suddenly in anger. Everyone is looking for you, exclamation mark. When they found him, because of their expectations, dude, what's going to happen? Do you know how many people are out there? And, and dude, this is, the, this is our opportunity. We want to fo- follow you, called us to follow you. You told us we'd be fishers of men. People are coming. This is happening. Dude, you are, you are the thing. Word has gotten out. Look at this, these people. This is clearly the expectation. God obviously wants you to do this. Where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. They're, they are exclaiming in anger. And then verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. (laughs) What? (laughs) He didn't defend himself. He didn't defend his time alone with Father. Uh, But it's very clear that Father, it's clear to me that Jesus felt compelled to, to wake up that morning without an alarm, because I'm pretty sure he didn't have his Apple Watch charged fully before he went to bed that night. Um, <laughs> just a little facetious this and there. But anyway, I, but but he woke up. I feel like he, he just like he normally did, he felt compelled. He, he woke from a dream. He felt the, the voice of Father saying, come to me. I, I've got some, got some things to talk about, the, the next steps the things that I have for you next, the things I want you to hear from me today. 
Uh, and and during this down daily download with the Father, with this communion, this time alone with Father, Father says, listen, okay, so uh, good job on on keeping that one demon quiet in the synagogue, except, you know, words getting out. Um, you know, and you know, last night you did the best you could to 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 keep those demons quiet. That's awesome. But but words spread out. Matter of fact, as you probably saw, the the people are already gathering outside of the door. Now, listen. There's going to be all sorts of people that expect you to respond to their emails. There's going to be all sorts of people who expect you to have answers for this, to answers to that. There's going to be people who have all sorts of technical questions related to podcasting, and they're, and dude, it's ten eighteen in the morning, and people are going to find you at ten eighteen, and they say, "Where have you been? And what are you doing?" And and you're going to feel compelled to be anxious about all the expectations of all the other people. And, no, 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 no. Here's what I have today. Today I want you to go into this village to do another thing. I that that's I want you to preach this message today. You know, you know uh, from the 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 time. Remember that scripture. That's that scripture is the one I want you to teach today. And here's the reason behind that scripture. And I and, and I want you to specifically talk to these people about these things. That's what I have for you today. See, that's what I imagine that time of prayer, that communion with Father, was all about. So when Simon and his companions went to look for him and they found him, uh, they exclaimed or cried out suddenly in anger, where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, said, listen, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have, that is why I've came or that is why I've come. So they he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons, is what 39 says. But anyway, verse 38, Jesus, let us go somewhere else. And and I, I would imagine, he's like, listen, let us go over here to this near, nearby village so that I can preach there. That's why I have come. And in fact, I think, do I have... Um, do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, actually, I will, I will get to it when I get to the bullet points of the whole purpose and why fathers had me share with this with you today. Uh, but let's, let's continue on. Um, and by the way, I wrote down preach. What does preach mean? Publicly proclaim or teach a message or belief to earnestly advocate or belief or a course of action. Anyway, so remember I told you that that story about Jesus hanging out that night, healing everybody in the whole town, getting up in the morning, going off to a solitary place, and then the disciples having their expectations of what Jesus will do, and he says, let's go somewhere else. That's what I've cut. That's what I, that's all I ever, that's all I ever really looked up in there. But Jesus, the father told me, he said, listen, I want you to look at the one before, and I also want you to look at the the verses after that. And then it says, now, I what it doesn't say that immediately after uh, the disciples went back to the house to break the news to everyone that Jesus isn't going to come back here today, that if you want, he's going off to this village, which because he's he's been instructed by Father to go preach and teach there. Uh, but it but it does, but I sense, and I could be wrong, but I sense that on his way to the next village, whoever from that crowd from his his uh, what does it say his um, companions. Uh, so, some, I'm sure some of them went back to the home of Simon and Andrew and explained that Jesus isn't coming back, that he's moving on. Um, but I imagine that probably one or two were walking with him on to the next thing. And and I and I feel that Father's telling me that this happened right afterwards, that, that Mark is keeping this whole story together. 
Uh, He says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I will tell you that the verse 41, Jesus's response to this man with leprosy, I'm reading this from the Passion Translation uh, because I think it is more accurate and in line with who Jesus is and what he would have said and how he would have said it and how he would have handled it. And I think the NIV is just insane for using the word Jesus was indignant. So, uh, and in fact, it, it, it's it's so uncertain about its translation of indignant that there's a footnote in the NIV that some people say Jesus had compassion. All right. So here's so basically, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, uh, "If you are willing, you can make me clean." And then from the Passion translation, being deeply moved with tender compassion. Jesus reached out and touched the skin of the leper and told him, of course, I want you to be healed. So now be cleansed. Verse 42, now back to the NIV. Immediately the leprosy left him and was cleansed, and he was cleansed. 43, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. With a strong warning, Jesus gave him a warning. See that you do not tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest. Offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleaning as a testimonial as a testimonial to them. Basically, don't tell people that you've been healed by me in this exchange. Instead, go and 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 be cleansed and 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 give credit to the cleansing. Of, of the teaching of the law of Moses. That, and that's the way I'm seeing it. Could I be wrong? I'm, I'm not a theologian, but that's the way I feel Father is, is, is telling me what's going on here. So but basically, Jesus just, again, emphasizing, Jesus isn't going around saying, let me blow up my ministry, let's build my audience, uh, be, before Father just brings the audience and has the impact and influence that I need. All right? Verse 45, uh, did the man listen? No. Uh, instead, uh, he, he, the man with leprosy, had been cleansed. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Why? Because Jesus was someone and had done something worth talking about. People can't help but spread the news about people who are something worth talking about or who do things worth talking about. People can't stop spreading the news and talking about people who live their life with conviction and authority and passion living in fully to who they are. That's when the message starts spreading, even if you're not interested in having that message spread so fast. Okay. So anyway, instead, he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so... As a result of this, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places or isolated places in other translations. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. You can't hold the people back once you find your true identity. Once you know who you are and why you are here and you live boldly under the authority of that, Nothing will stop you from experiencing what's supposed to have, what, what Father is, is, has for you that you are supposed to experience. If you believe that God has a mission and a purpose and a message 
for you to share with the world. Do you trust that that is true? If you do, you won't have to do anything to make it happen. You won't actually be able to stop it from happening. Who do you think you are to think that you could stop your message that God has given you to give to the world from reaching the people it's supposed to reach? Who do you think you are to think that you could stop it from happening if Jesus didn't? And he tried. Then I wrote this after I transcribed it at my ending of my prayer in my journal here. Father, as I complete this transcription above, I feel prompted to record a public episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show talking about how this story has spoken to me over the years and what I sense you teaching me through it today. If I am able, if I am to do this, will you please give me the main bullet points that are supposed to be the takeaways in Christ, Cliff? And then God gave me four major bullet points, and these are what the, the, that I take away from this. I hope that you will take away from this. Number one, the most important thing I have learned in the demonstration of the way that Jesus let, lived his life is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, and in the Passion Translation, hours before the sun rose. Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I think the Passion Translation said, gave and gave himself to prayer. And, and the way that, that I feel that this speaks to me, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus went to a solitary place where he could be alone with Father, where he could be away from all of the noises and distractions of the day, where he could be away from the distractions of all the people and their expectations that are building outside the front door of the house or in the email inbox that's piling up or the social media posts that are waiting for you to check first thing on the in the morning on your phone or the calendar things that are going to immediately start getting your your mind into gear about where you're going to show up and and the things you're going to do and the actions you're going to take to to achieve all those goals that quite frankly many times cliff you haven't even asked me if they're important and are part of the mission for which I've put on on your earth today, on, on for you to be in this earth today. Um, meditation and prayer, bullet point number one. If there's one thing Father has been teaching me is like, listen, Cliff, I want to speak to you. I, I, I am speaking to you. I have been speaking to you from the day you were born until now. I have always been speaking to you. But if you'll just find yourself some time to break free from all of the noise, all of the distraction of everything in this material world, and you would sit and be silent and be still and know that I am God, I will speak to you, you will hear me clearly, and I will guide your steps, I will give you rest, you will have peace for your soul. That's bullet point number one. Bullet point number two, Jesus was not seeking to massively grow his following. There is nobody in all of existence 
of humanity that has had more impact and influence in the world than Jesus. Whether you're a Christian, a follower of, of Christ or not, does not matter. The fact is, is the world around divides their calendar before Christ and in the year of our Lord. Jesus has had more impact and influence in the world than anyone else. And yet, bigger crowds often made it more challenging for him to actually have the deep impact in the hearts of a few who would ultimately be the ones that would exponentially spread his message throughout the world. My question is, is this your message? Or is it? Father's message. If it's Father's message, do you require all of the recognition? Do you require all of the attention, the appreciation, the frame, the, the fame, the significance? And by the way, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. These are the things that, that Father has been talking to me about. Cliff, if I've put you on this heart, on this earth, and I wake you up on a Monday morning after telling you to go to bed uh, and, and stay asleep uh, until 10, 18 in the morning so you can't wake up and, and claim that I got up at 3 o'clock this morning because I'm so awesome, but instead you slept in until 10, 18, and I can still speak to you if you'll come to me in a quiet and solitary place. And if I put on your heart a, a passage of the scriptures and I want you to speak my message to my people, not your people, Cliff, my people, is it my message or yours? And I will call the ones to be called. And there's nothing you can do, Cliff, to keep the message from spreading as long as it's my message you're spreading. You may or may not be talked about. You may or may not be praised by people. Sometimes you may be praised by people. Sometimes you may be shouted at, crucify him. <laughs> But none of that matters because your peace, love, joy, and satisfaction and ultimate fulfillment comes with knowing who you are, why I put you here, and remaining in union with me. That's bullet point number two. Bullet point number three. Jesus never once sent out a survey to his audience to see what, he, what they wanted from him next. Jesus never once sent a survey to his audience to see what he what they wanted him to do next, what they wanted more of. In Mark chapter 1 verse 37, when they found him they exclaimed, "Everyone is looking for you." No, 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 no. Instead, it was through Jesus's communion with Father that morning he was reminded that morning of who he is, why he's there, and he got his marching orders for the next 24 hours, the next day. He's like, listen, we have to go. The, the Passion Translation says it like this. We have to go on to the next, or to the surrounding villages that I, so that I can give my message to the people there, for that is my mission. Now that, by the way, that's my mission of the day, or that's the mission of the next few days. 
I'm not to, Father has told me, I am not to stay here with the crowds of people who have uh, gathered at the door of Simon and, uh, and Andrew. Is that right? Anyway, no, I, I, I got my marching orders. I, I'm not here. I'm not going to live up to the expectation. Just because this is what I did last night doesn't mean that's what I'm supposed to do today. I have different orders today. Last night, yes, that was that was what was supposed to happen. It's where I was supposed to invest my time, my effort, and my energy. And this morning, I came to be restored in union with Father and to get clear instructions on what to do next. And it's not check my email inbox, open up that front door, and then just start working on it nonstop until it's time to go to bed, and I didn't once take time to be with Father today. No, I was with Father, and he told me to avoid the email inbox and go do this instead. That's bullet point number three. Jesus didn't survey his audience to see what he should do next. Jesus didn't consult his to-do list first thing in the morning to see what he should do next. Jesus instead sought union with Father and got his instructions from the voice of Father who does lead, who does guide. And bullet point number four. Actually, no, I think that was it. That was it. There was only three bullet points. I I apologize. Uh, And then Father gave me the, the title of this episode, Stop Trying So Hard to Grow Your Audience and Build Your Platform and Do This Instead. And what is this instead? Consider the following. Get up early in the morning, before it's light, before anyone else in the house is awoken. Before you check your phone, your email, your to-do list, your calendar. Before you do anything else, find a solitary place where you can be alone. It can be in your house But if there's a growing crowd of people that are uh, (laughs) stacking up outside your front door, you might want to sneak out maybe a window and, and go find some else place to be where you can be alone and solitary, alone with Father. And and consider this. Don't take your Bible with you if you're in the habit of doing that. Just this once. Go and sit and be still, be silent for at least 20 minutes, longer if you can handle it. And if you find yourself mentally thinking about what you're going to do that day and anxious and worried thoughts, just repeat these words, if you will. Try this. Jesus, give me peace. Jesus, give me peace. Or, Father, grant me peace. Father, grant me peace. Just say that over and over and over again, and 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 then and and when you when you're focused on that for just a few moments, just sit in silence. Focus on your breath. Breathe in. 
breathe out and focus on your breath and just see if you say, say to yours, ask yourself a question. If God were trying to speak to me right now, what might he be saying? If God were trying to speak to me right now, what might he be saying? That's all I feel led to share in this episode. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do in life to the next level.